In Genesis chapter 12, God's story gets much more personal. He chooses a single man named Abraham, makes a covenant with him, and begins to separate people for himself. This relationship, as well as all relationships with God that follow, becomes the stage for revealing what God is like. Now, through Abraham, God shows us what it means to hear and know him, implying that this kind of closeness is open to anyone who seeks it. The patriarchs are clear evidence that God designed human beings for relationship. Now, Abraham becomes a case study in how to become God's friend. But it is an odd friendship at first. Abraham's story begins with his wife's barrenness and his family's wanderings. Now, these co-contradictions to the original design, which is fruitfulness and in the garden to live, but they make a perfect environment for a God who wants to restore his people to their design by making promises about descendants and land. How better to show his purposes and power than to take a man with no children and promise innumerable offspring, or uh, to call a drifting nomad into a land to be passed on from generation to generation? God delights in turning contradictions into miraculous fulfillments of his purpose. So we see this is how God works. As we discover throughout history, biblical history and our own personal stories, God steps into our crisis and he makes them the platform for his display of character and power. We have needs, he makes promises, and then he fulfills them sometimes after long and excruciating delays in which our faith stretches and strengthens. Now, growing in faith and in our relationships with God is a process and really a comfortable one. If we learn anything from the patriarchs in Genesis, it is that being chosen by God is full of pain and promise. For Abraham and Sarah, the interplay between pain and promise lasts for 25 years. They wait for his son with lots of questions and missteps along the way. Abraham fails to defend his wife, fathers a son with Sarah, Sarah's servant, and doesn't exactly honor the biological mother of the first child, suggests alternatively a solution that of God's promise and laughs when the promise is reaffirmed. Nevertheless, the New Testament commends his faith and tells us he did not waver. And when the child of promise is a young man, Abraham's belief in God, his faithfulness must endure the ultimate test, a sacrifice of the only visible means for the promise to be fulfilled. His son Isaac, that is, God appears at a time in Abraham's story to be a cruel tease as such, a promiser who doesn't follow through, or a giver who takes back his gifts back. Yet he makes it clear that he rewards those who believe him persistently, and in spite of appearances, he looks for those who insist on trusting, even when his will seems to make no sense. 
And though God certainly knows the story he is writing, Abraham cannot understand the significance of the drama as he offers Isaac the graphic picture of the father offering his son as a sacrifice on the cross centuries later. Now still, Abraham's faith has grown to a point of implicit obedience and a kind of obedience that we admire in retrospect, but would not and probably have condemned the moment. Surely a man of faith would realize that God's voice would never order such brutal acts. But it's God's voice and Abraham complies and he sees beyond the visible. Eternal kingdoms are built on such faith. Sarah too is later commended in scripture for her faith, even though she has so many struggles with, her pro with this promise as Abraham does. And like Abraham, she laughs at the promise when it's resurrected after years of waiting and then denies to God himself that she laughed. God's response is, there anything too hard for the Lord? This becomes the foundational issue for all people of faith. Of course, nothing is too hard for him. He can meet the needs of a servant named Haggai as she tries to survive in exile in the desert with Abraham's plan B son. And he can, he, when Abraham isn't there, God is there to protect her and the son. And he can work out the worst mistakes into his plans. He can judge rebellious cities such as Sodom and Gomorrah and still show grace in the midst of judgment. He can set himself for miracles to come in the formation of the Jewish nation, in the centuries of preparation for the coming of the Messiah and in the lives of us today. Is there anything too hard for God? This is the issue we must settle in our hearts. Are we willing to trust God's promise and wait for him to fulfill them? God's story with his people begins with hope, promises, faith, and continues with this, those same themes today. Even now, we experience the hope of his promise to the degree that we embrace them. Is there anything too hard for the Lord?